and Scouser Podcast. Today, I'm your host, Timuchin, and with me is Paul Bickler. Paul, how's it going? Good. How are you? Uh, pretty good, man. What a crazy day. Uh, never thought, I mean, it was kind of like a casual watching, but never thought it would get so crazy uh, and fun in a crazy kind of way, I guess. A lot to get to, a lot of like conversation happening uh, in our group, actually, on the Facebook group in LFC America as well. Uh, so let's start from the beginning. I mean, we probably don't want to go goal by goal. Or we'll be here all night. Uh, but let's start from the beginning. And in terms of the lineup and stuff like that, I think like the biggest part of the conversation that I've seen uh, so far in terms of the game itself is our lineup. And I think like people are divided in terms of like how much of an importance this game should have gotten compared to what it gets and stuff like that. I know I listened to the podcast that you guys did earlier this week and kind of have your take on it. But uh, what did you think of the starting 11? I mean, to me, it was pretty much what I had in mind, except Williams probably was a surprise. But what did you think? Yeah, no, I mean, we want or I wanted the kids. I think it was Chris that, that sort of wanted to go for it. Um, but that lineup was essentially what we had discussed, minus Williams, uh, no Adrian. Um, yeah, so we were just off a couple plays. Um, but I, I, we wanted to see the kids get a run out. That's what we got. Um, and the result was some pretty shit football, but an entertaining match. <laughs> and I think that's kind of to be expected. I mean, honestly, in a game like that, you're kind of, I mean, at least – for myself, I'm kind of watching the young kids to see how they do. And, you know, it's impossible to tell, you know, take one game or a few games that we see these guys and, you know, project it into a future career. Uh, but I'm actually probably watching more guys like Keita, Ox and Lalana and stuff like that who are, you know, like probably going to be regularly contributing in the Premier League and stuff like that as well. So, but I agree. I mean, I thought... I feel the same way. I mean, if the season ends and all we end up is holding the League Cup, I would take that season as a failed season at the end of the day. And I think, you know, the biggest argument is, I think, the lack of trophies we've had. You know, any trophy is a trophy. And I think with us winning number six and winning the biggest cup of them all, I think, the you know, the importance of getting just another trophy at least in my eye, diminishes a lot. I mean, if you hadn't, if it wasn't for that, you would say, "Hey, we got to start somewhere. We got to get some trophies." Uh, but I think with us winning that now, the only important trophies to me is the Premier League, obviously, and the Champions League. Are we in agreement on that, or do you yeah, put no, more I'm value into the League Cup? I think. I I think we as supporters feel completely differently if we're sitting in sixth, right? I mean, if we're in sixth place and we're, we're knocking on the quarterfinals here, I think we probably want to – I think we're probably looking at wanting to go and get some hardware on this thing versus, um, you know, being six points clear first. Our priority is staying healthy and going for the premiership. I think that most supporters would agree with that. And that's the thing. I, I mean, some of these cups have become more of a burden than anything else. If anything, I think it's a good opportunity for – exactly what we're doing for the young players to get a run out there with some experience mixed in guys who kind of kind of like shake off the rust, um, you know, like Ox and stuff like that, who can kind of like get their legs under them again in like, you know, top level competition kind of thing, which, you know, they kind of feel a similar 
concept team. I still felt like their team definitely had a lot more Premier League experience than ours, though. But um, yeah, for so sure, yeah. even their younger players, even their younger guys, are are getting far more minutes uh, when you look at Saka and, and Martinelli and all those guys are, are getting minutes now. So yeah, totally. Uh, so let me ask you this. I mean, everyone watched the game and obviously, I mean, a lot to talk about in terms of goals and where they came from, a lot of individual errors. It was just sloppy and partially it's to be expected, not only because these are guys who never played together and these are guys that are just not even guys yet. They're just literally boys, uh, like kids playing out there. So, uh, but out of all the players that you watched, who was the one that, you know, you walked away most impressed with? Um, out of the new youngsters? Um, uh, the, well, I mean, here's my thing. Like, this is this is probably an obvious pick in, and not a sexy pick, but Rian Brewster, every time he, like, he just continually impresses me. I know he didn't, like, he wasn't out there thrashing him in today, but, like, there are parts of his game today that I saw for the first time. I mean, we've seen him be pretty clinical during preseason in front of goal. We know he's got pace. We know he can shoot. Um, but things like his hold-up play um, and the work he put in when we were down 2-4 to get back to 4-4, um, there was a lot of like almost like uh, Roberto Firmino-esque moments for him um, where he was doing work off the ball, making intelligent runs, um, holding the ball up, like coming back on defense into the midfield. Um, I was really impressed with that type of stuff. Um, and I thought, you know, Williams for a converted winger who's in his first real, you know, big competition, he had nervy moments, but I thought he pre- played relatively well today. Yeah, I think so. I mean, to me, that was probably the biggest surprise out of the lineup. I mean, when you projected a lineup of, you know, who could be out there. And and I think is if Hoover was not in the international duty, he would probably be there playing right back anyway. But, yeah, uh, yeah. yeah I agree with Brewster. I mean, he, is, he still has to get, like, obviously stronger. Uh, but there was a moment where I think he was holding, like he literally shook off the ball. Um, and I thought he did really well in the air for a player his size. Uh, reminds me of Mane in some ways, how he gets up uh, and gets like a lot of those like headers and brings balls down and stuff like that, and a lot of movement. I think as he gets stronger, his hold-up play will get better. Because really, in terms of, you know, we always talk about how we can't duplicate Bobby and what he does. I think when you look at the squad... He's probably the closest thing we have to it, you know, projecting forwards. I mean, obviously nowhere close to it now, but it almost looks like in terms of the skill set he has, the approach he has, he's actually more of a scorer than I think Bobby is. Uh, But I I feel like he can do a lot of those things. Yeah, I don't think, I think, you know, Bobby is almost like a throwback center forward, uh, false nine, you know, free-floating 10 as well. Um, I, I think that Brewster is more of a natural score, more of a more of a natural. Uh, he strikes me as somebody who would actually play really well in a standard throwback four four two, paired up top with somebody. Um, but he's doing well up there. Um, he did well today on his own up there for sure. And I think out of the experienced players, I was personally like, I mean, I was really impressed with Divock. I mean, he, I mean, we obviously know him. He's done a lot. He's probably like, you know, the most accomplished guy is like starting today. Uh, but man, he has great feet for a dude his size. 
He has great speed. Honestly, I don't think he uses his size well. That's probably one part of his game that he has to improve on uh, in terms of like his height and stuff to be able to use that better. But watching that game, I mean, he was one of those players that every time he got the ball, it looked like, yeah, this dude is the real deal. Like he's almost like a class above everybody else on that field. Um and obviously the goals he scored, you know, speaks for themselves. And he's like always the last minute hero and stuff like that. But um, out of the experienced guys who, I mean, aside from Divac, what did you think of like Ox, Lalana, and Keita? Well, let's go back to Divac for a moment. Um, that may be, jeez, ah, dude, hold on. I got to open a beer for this one. This, <laughs> this may, this may. Divac may be that, – that may be the most complete 90 minutes that I've seen him put in, um, mainly because we don't get to see him for full games like that. Um, but I think my knock on Divac is, is that he seems to be – he doesn't seem to insert himself into the flow of the game throughout a full course of the match. He's a big moment player um, in – like this is probably an unpopular opinion right now, I don't think Divac's good enough for our starting 11. I'm not saying that he may not ever be good enough, but at this, t- at this point in his career, I think that, you know, the developmental curve is, is like, flattening out on Divac. Now, I know a lot of people are going to disagree with me on this. Um, that being said, he's an absolute club legend because when you think about big goals and big games, I don't think it's gotten any bigger than him. You, it, 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 it's more than Barcelona. It's more than today. You look at the crazy Everton game winner in injury time. Like, he just, I mean, he's just a big goal, big game player, which has been pretty phenomenal to watch. Um, but um, I hope I'm wrong on this because he put in a, a, a full shift today and was great. In terms of our other experienced players out there, to round him out, I think Lalana and uh, Chamberlain had inverse games. And what I mean by that is, like, I thought Ox couldn't get out of his own way the first half. He was terrible. He gave the ball away. He, you know, he was, like, careless um, in position. Um, I didn't think he was making runs. He was just, like, he was not in the match. Uh, second half, he looked like a player who wanted to take on the match by the scruff of the neck and pull it over the line. Um, obviously, he hit the wonder strike. Um, he had a couple of good balls going forward on assists, um, and he had a great second half. Now, Alana was our best player first half. Uh, I thought he was an absolute maestro, pulling the strings, threading balls through, doing all the things that suit him well for that sixth role now that he's getting older and losing some of his pace. Um, he got tired in the second half and wasn't the same player the second half. It kind of faded down the stretch. Um, and then, you know, obviously, if I'm honest with, with, with Keita, he was, he was shit. He, was, he went missing. Um, for a 50 million pound player coming in that we had to wait half a year for, I mean, I think we're all a little bit disappointed. Um, he got, from what I heard from Klopp, it sounds like he got pulled as a precautionary measure um, after he slipped and was seen sort of limping. So let's hope that's not serious. Um, I don't think that I'm not going to say that I'm not going to say that Navi's done. I don't. I, I I think that he's too good of a player. I don't think it's a fluke. I don't think he was that good in the Bundesliga for that long. He's, I, don't, I don't think he's a fluke. He's got to find himself, though, and he's got to find his form and his confidence. Um, and I, I still believe he's, he's an incredible player. So jury's still out on that. Miller had an uncharacteristically poor game. 
still can shoot the hell out of a penalty kick, though. So that's all that matters right now because he, he put, like, I felt like he put eight in today. So um, I think that kind of rounds out the experience, guys, at least. Yeah, I mean, I think it would not be. I think my personal disappointment was, I mean, this is a game where you almost expect him to kind of, uh, I think we talked about this actually during the game when we were chatting. Like, I kind of expect him to kind of take over that midfield on a, in a game like this. You know, like him and Ox, I mean, just kind of like, especially Kate, I'd be able to kind of like boss that midfield, take the ball, distributes, and be that playmaker that, you know, we hoped we were getting. Um, yeah, I mean, definitely it's too early to kind of like, you know, write him off or anything like that. But let's face it, I mean, I think most of us at this point – are kind of going off of obviously what we've seen him do in Germany and more like good intentions. Uh, any other player I don't think would get. And the fact that the team is doing well, obviously it helps him. I mean, the team is doing well without him while he's on the sideline or he's making like, you know, occasionally appearances and stuff. But I think gives the fans a lot more time to be patient with him. I can't think of a lot of other players who would cost that much and fans would have so much faith, but kind of like so little shown for it. The guy has huge potential. I mean, I know I, I'm sure like, you know, a lot of people are like getting mad now because, you know, obviously his potential, his skill on the ball and stuff is like that. Great. But it still remains to be seen. Can he physically handle Premier League in terms of, you know, health and not getting injured and be able to, you know, take the physical abuse and the pace of the league? Uh, is he going to be able to kind of like get used to it and cope with it? There was a period where you looked like he was almost there, and unfortunately, he got hurt again last season. Um, but I mean, he spent more time injured than non injured, and it takes a while for him to get going. I was like, probably that was like my biggest disappointments out of the game. I mean, with Ox, I mean, he's showing sparks. Yeah, the first half, he was doing some passes. It was almost like trying too hard, I think, is probably like the best way to look at it. But um, And then Alana got caught on the ball a few times. And Milner is Milner. That was very uncharacteristic. But, I mean, the guy is a true professional. He was still kind of like that. You can kind of tell he plays it like it's just a regular game. He wasn't playing it like he was playing with other kids or like stuff like that. So, uh, But going back to Divac, in some ways, I do agree with you. Uh, but like that he is not good enough to be in the starting 11 of this team. But at the same time, I don't know if that's a knock on him when the people you're trying to replace to get a spot in that first 11 is Mane, Salah, and Bobby. That's true. I think, I think that he is – I think the gap between him being in the starting 11 and not being in the starting level 11 is, is a little bit larger than I'm comfortable with, if that makes sense. Um, and going back to, to Keita, your point about Keita is, is interesting. Like, he's got an, an unusually long leash with supporters right now, right? I mean, and, I mean, we wouldn't do this with a whole lot of our other players. I think the fact that he has had a good run of play before helps him. Um, I mean, Keita's a lot like FIFA 20, right? We've been waiting for this to come out for a year. We're invested in it. It's shite right now. But we know maybe there's a fix coming. There's a patch coming. It'll we'll get fix itself. We'll, we'll have to wait and see, right? <laughs> Don't get me started on FIFA 20 for God's sakes. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I think, yeah, that's probably a good analogy, though, because uh, we have seen, I mean, not only before he came here, 
but we've seen it like while he's here. So we know he can do it. He's capable and he shows some like unbelievable skill. I mean, the guy is great on the ball, has great vision. And I think, you know, in terms of the players we have in the squad, and there's a player that can pass between the lines. He's probably the best one we have as a midfielder. Uh, it's a shame that, you know, we can't get him out there in the role that we were hoping to. But it is too early still. Uh, the dude is young and he does have a lot of like years to kind of like get adjusted to stuff and hopefully get in good health. It's a tough system we play. I think it's very physically demanding. I think that's my only, that, that's my biggest fear is it's not like, you know, with club, you're like, oh, you practice. Okay, good. Then you can play this weekend. You know, you got to kind of like show that intensity for an extended period of time, extended practices and stuff like that. Get 15 minutes, 20 minutes. It takes a long time before you go to that starting lineup. Um, so I don't know. Every time some hiccup happens with an injury, it pushes everything back a month or so, it feels like. Well, if we look at the midfield today, I think it's interesting, right? I mean, we talk about playing all the kids, but to use an American terms, we're essentially at a varsity midfield with a JV team for the most part. I mean, you've got some experience seniority in that midfield. Outside of Milner, the rest are playing kids. Um, you know, Milner and Origi being experienced. But we, I, I don't think it's an accident that Klopp went and played Luana, uh, you know, Keita, Ox, and midfield. Um, I do think it's ironic that if you look at those three, Kate had a shit game. Uh, Lalana had a shit second half. Uh, Ox had a shit first half. The best player out of that midfield trio in totality to me was Curtis Jones coming in. So, yes. Um, I, I think it's really interesting. And the fact that we, we really we went with a varsity midfield to try to control that midfield. And, and really what happened in that first half is, um, you know, Emery did exactly what he did to us in 2016 in the, final, the Europa final. He made us play out wide knowing we didn't have the pace and the quality out there that we normally have so that all the balls coming through had to go outside and had to come in at such an angle that if there was a turnover, they had possession in the midfield going forward on the counter. So, like, you got to credit them a little bit to, to sort of, like, nullifying that and really taking a lot of the, this team's strengths away and, and forcing us to play in from the from the side, which was which is pretty brilliant, really. Um, but I do think it's ironic, you know. We start with this this sort of experienced midfield, and and then Curtis Jones just came in and was like leagues better than 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 Keita. And it's kind of like harsh on Lalana as well. I mean, if you think about it, if you go back to last week's Champions League game where we had the same lineup and it was Fab Fabinho instead of you know Lalana, and even Fabinho struggled trying to kind of pick up the pieces dropped off by. Ox and Keita in midfield, like had to work twice as hard uh, after, yeah. after playing along like Eugenie uh, and Hendo, who are doing a lot of the hard work. Uh, he was probably like, what the hell? He was running everywhere, trying to pick up everything. So knowing and having seen that and, you know, Fabinho rarely coping with that, you know, last week, I almost felt bad for Alana, <laughs> like criticizing yeah, him because you know what he was facing. Midfield, you're in a little bit of trouble, right? Yeah. And, and that's probably like the problem we run into. And I know everybody wants this, you know, the attack minded players, the creative players in there, but you know, it comes at a price defensively. It's not just the four guys in the back, the way we play, especially it's not just the four guys in the back who defend. Everybody has to kind of chip in. And when you have too many players that are attack minded and not really helping the 
the defensive game, we leave a lot of spaces. I mean, mind you, today, most of those goals came from, like, lost balls as we were building up play or, you know, poor pass on our side. Aside from the first goal, which was a a linesman error, um, like, we're looking at, uh, you know, the second goal was off a quick restart where they were napping, but you've got the third goal off an individual error from Harvey, um, Elliott, um, you know, you've got the Milner back pass, which was an individual error. So, yeah, like a lot of these goals, I mean, thankfully we had some pretty otherworldly shots between Ox and the Willick goal was um, unbelievable. But, like, yeah, it was mostly down to individual errors today, a lot of sloppy play, and I guess that's how you get bringing 11 goals in a match or five, or 10, so... Yeah, I mean, it was almost like an indoor game at the end of the day. <laughs> you were just like nonstop goals constantly. I mean, definitely entertaining to watch. And I, I mean, even Klopp was saying he couldn't care less about the goals we right. concede. That's not really what you look at at a game like this. I mean, we no, kind of no. went to the next round. Well, let me ask you this, because I know this was like a discussion that I had with a few people online last week in our Facebook group. Um and we'll get to the drama of how our, how the hell and when the hell we're going to play a quarterfinal game. But, I mean, let's say, you know, we, we're in the quarterfinals, obviously, or we go to the semifinal and stuff. What is your take? Do you keep going with the youngsters all the way, including the final? Or do you bring the big boys out once the final or semifinal hits? It's a super tough question because I think it, I think it really – and so much of it depends on the health of the squad at the time. It, it also depends on who you're playing, right? I mean, if you got if you get this weird thing where like Bradford squeaks through, you know, or like one of these like lower league sides comes through, um, I mean, you got to kind of balance that out and consider: can we play a team that has five starters in there? You know, can we can can we sort of start sprinkling in more starters slowly instead of playing out a full eleven? So you have to take those things into consideration. For me, I'm I'm always of the ilk that when you get that close to a trophy, you should start you should start your starting eleven, just because I mean you've already made it to the quarters. You essentially have to win a couple more games and you're lifting a trophy. Like I don't, it, it's it's like a risk, it, it's like a, a risk analysis. At this point, you've gotten this far, you're this far pot committed with your playing and your playing time. You might as well go for it. Yeah, see, I I think I'm more on the side of letting the kids take it as far as they can. I mean, if we said starting the season, hey, this is what we're going to do with this cup. And I think we would have done this with this cup regardless of, you know, what's happening in the Premier League or the Champions League. I think this was like, hey, this is what we're going to do with the League Cup. This is the kids we're going to play. That's where they're going to get the playing time and stuff like that. I think as they keep advancing... I mean, they just beat Arsenal, mind you, in kind of like a really entertaining fashion. But I think you just let the kids go as far as they can. And if they lose in the semifinal, they lose in the semifinal. Do we maybe insert one or two more of our top players in there? I guess, you know, like in a semifinal, maybe you give him either like Mane or somebody like that to help him out. Uh, Yeah. Or that, you know what I mean? Like maybe something like that, like give a couple of players more from the, so instead of maybe having like, you know, Lalana and, you know, Ox and Keita, maybe like, you know, have Genie go out there or like Hando play with them and stuff like that. Give maybe two or three more starters from your ideal 11 
But I think you still kind of keep the core as the young kids. I mean, they're the ones who kind of brought you there. I almost feel like it would feel odd to kind of say, well, thanks for bringing us here. Why don't you guys go, you know, clean the locker room while we go out and try to win this trophy kind of thing. So um, it'll definitely be interesting to see. I guess it'll be definitely interesting to see when the hell they schedule our quarterfinal. So I don't know if you got a chance to, like, listen to Klopp's, like, uh, post-match uh, press conference, but he obviously doesn't seem pleased, and he's almost, you know, considering the fact that, you know, we're not going to suffer our schedule and play, you know, twice in two days uh, because the FA, you know, could not come up with a better system. So what do you think is going to happen at the end of the day? Because they're in kind of a trouble right now because it looks like the first time we would have a week midweek day to play is actually when the semifinal is scheduled. Yeah, I have no idea. Um, I have no idea what's going to happen. And, like, this time of year is always hilarious because, like, the fixtures get insane. This is the third year in a row that Klopp has, like, been very publicly critical of the fixture list going through the holidays. So, uh, I don't know if I wonder how Klopp is at home or if he's just, like, miserable to be around during Christmas time because he <laughs> fucking hates this time of year. Um, with good reason. It is ridiculous when you're playing three, almost four games in a span of nine days. Like, that's just – that's ridiculous. So, and, and honestly, I could give a toss about this club, like, World Cup thing. I, like, I, I, I think from an aesthetic point, like, I see why people get into it and why people like it and why it would be a draw. It, to me, during a very crowded club season already with cup competitions, it makes absolutely no fucking sense um, to me. So um, I guess I'm right there with them being a bah humbug. But, like, yeah, I don't know what's going to happen, and, and it's going to be very interesting to see what happens, you know, whether Klopp puts his money where his mouth is or whether he gets an you know, unfavorable schedule if they pull from the competition. I mean, we'll just have to wait and see. If they do pull from the competition – I mean, how mad are you going to be? How upset are people going to be? I don't know. Like, I mean, it, it would seem weird to me, but I would also understand it. Yeah, it's a tough spot to kind of like, you know, you can't really judge them. I don't think that it's going to ever come to that. I don't think FA would want to create a situation where a club has to say, well, I guess we're out. You know, because what, what are you going to do? Call, uh, call like Emery and be like, hey, can you bring your boys back? Because the guys will be <laughs> not playing, you know. So I, I don't know how, I mean, they would have to figure out a way. I guess my biggest fear, and I think that's probably club's biggest fear, is, you know, them trying to squeeze it in by pushing one thing you know, 24 hours this way, the other one 12 hours that way to create like an extra day gap somewhere. And basically, yeah, it was basically at the end of the day, screw us over. And I think that's when, and that's why probably knowing this ahead of time, when I mean, we knew it was going to come to this, obviously Klopp knew it was going to come to this. Uh, that's why you kind of play the youngsters and you go as far as you can and Maybe they didn't even expect to get this far. I mean, he was even saying himself that they were probably, the Premier League was probably hoping that, you know, the FA was at least hoping that we were not going to get this far and they wouldn't even have to worry about it. Because really, if it wasn't for the stupid World Cup or whatever the heck it's called thing, it would not be an issue. Which, yeah, I, I have mixed feelings on that thing. Yeah, it's a cool concept, but man, we have bigger fish to fry uh, than kind of worry about that. I mean, am I going to really, I mean, anytime Liverpool plays, let's, Face it, we're invested in it. 
Uh, even today, I was like, whatever happens, happens. But, you know, you were investing in it. You know, we love the team. You know, you want to win. doesn't matter who the hell they're playing. Uh, so I would want to win. But, I mean, I don't know if I'm going to. It's one of those things, kind of like the, you know, the League Cup thing. At the end of the season, if that's the only trophy we end up holding, and if I'm going to be like, hey, it was a good season, no. I mean, that's right. not really one of the goals. So uh, it'll definitely be interesting to see. So the draw is tomorrow morning. I guess we'll, that will kind of like solve. I don't know if that will kind of like affect our tone too. Because like you're saying, if we match up against a team that is maybe not as top level of a competition, maybe we'll be not as complaining with a shorter gap. But I mean, what kind of, how deep of a squad? I mean, let's see if basically like City has a deeper squad. I don't even know if they can pull out like two starting 18s that are good enough to compete in two cups at the same time, which is essentially what you're expected to do. Because the same guy can't play both games. Yeah, I mean, they essentially did that. I think, well, I don't know. The city's so deep. You could, they, they're so deep, they're starting Aguero on their B team right now, which is insane. Um, but, yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't know. It, it will be interesting to see um, what plays out with that. And, but, I mean, I, I don't know. I guess we'll just have to wait and see. Uh, so, before we kind of, like, wrap this... Uh mess up i mean it was uh, it was definitely entertaining to watch uh like you know obviously the number of goals not only the number of goals but the constantly changing momentum it feel like some crazy goals some of them are like great shots some of them is i look like a great shot maybe because of the goalkeeping and stuff like that but at the end of the day it's entertaining and it just shows i think from the lowest level up, the willingness to win and go till the very last second. I mean, I was watching that last goal again and the maturity of, you know, instead of any other team, I mean, you're already past the 90 minutes. There's like, you know, the game is almost over. It's a lot more easier or, you know, standard issue to probably lob the ball in from the left-hand side there and into the box and kind of like, let's see what happens kind of an approach. But the maturity of the team to kind of like swing that ball around very calmly to the right-hand side and kind of like shift everything over and get the cross in from there and score. And obviously going until the very last minutes, pulling another Divock miracle, I think it kind of shows like that mindset goes across the entire club, regardless of what level, who's out there playing. And that has to be like a huge credit to Klopp. Yeah, that's exactly right. I mean, we talked that in the last pod about how the mentality of the club in the last five years has totally transformed, right? And usually you put that down to a couple of key locker room pieces, right? Um, you know, Virgil coming in and basically solidifying and calming down that back line. Um, Allison coming in and then players like uh, Origi coming in and scoring big-time goals help, leave, like, help obviously foster this belief that the club hasn't had before or at least hasn't had since some of the great teams like the 1988 team. Um, but, yeah, you're right. The fact that it's being done on the level where kids are coming in who are 17 years old and playing with that same sort of mentality and belief, that's pretty incredible. I mean, and, like, you can't really undervalue that. I mean, you can't put a price on that. You can't really quantify how important that is. Um, but, but, yeah, very cool to see. 
and more importantly, like a result like this only feeds that more. I mean, that's kind of like the, you know, like the snowball dynamic of the whole thing. Like, you know, as they do it more and more, the confidence grows more and more and the attitude and the mentality gets stronger and stronger. Uh, I mean, every time Divac scores these goals, I mean, the team believes that it's going to happen. It's just a matter of when kind of thing, not if. So that's definitely like, you know, it's a great thing to watch, the great thing to, you know, like you guys were talking about the last spot, even the Tottenham game, you know, you pretty much start the game 1-0 down and there is not that panic of, you know, the feeling of panic or like on the team or even us as a fan. And I mean, you know, me, I'm like the biggest warrior. Even I was like, you know, okay, we got this, you know, let's just calm down. Like start from the beginning. We just gave him an advance or one goal kind of thing. But um, I think that's like a great thing to see. That's probably one thing. And it sounded like that was one thing that club was definitely proud of too. So I, like I say, at the end of the day, it's a good win. Uh, excited, makes it excited. Never thought the league cup game would be this exciting. It was kind of, I was, I thought I was just going to kind of like sit back and, Kind of like casually watch, and before you know it, like I was yelling and screaming like a normal game. So, speaking of normal games, let's talk about our next normal game because it's probably our last podcast before the weekend games hits. Um, so we have the obviously the away game this weekend on Saturday. Uh, we're not, I'm not expecting at least too much uh, coming from the city game. They're playing a hapless Southampton team. It's more of like a matter of over under on how many they're gonna get scored out. Um, so, what are your? I mean, what are your thoughts for the weekend game? I guess like the biggest question I think in terms of lineup is Fabinho. Do you roll the dice or do you not roll the dice for him getting the fifth yellow card before the city game? Yeah, I mean, that's a great question. It, it, if it's me, I'm probably playing him, but. I, I'm probably playing. I, I think it, especially the way they set up versus that team, I think that, I don't know, man, maybe, I'm, maybe I got a little bit too much of a riverboat gambler in me, but I'm <coughs> putting him in, especially, dependent, especially considering how immensely important he is that midfield right now. Man, I don't know. I'm, I, that is a, it is a tough gamble because if you miss him for the city game, that's bad news, Bears versus City midfield that you know is going to be coming at you. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, I, I probably play him. Yeah, I mean, I was watching a couple of, like, you know, pundits talk about, like, trusting the player and stuff, but I don't think I do. I mean, just because of the way he plays. I'll be honest, like, you know, if it was Hendo, who was kind of playing a bit more safer on those tackles and would rather contain and track back rather than kind of, like, the way Fab plays is, like, more like attacking the ball, you know, like stopping it right there, right down with a hard tackle and most of the time winning it. But let's face it, if he doesn't win one of those, most of them are, you know, either a morning or a yellow card. Uh, so I think the way he plays, he can't change. Fabinho finish lengthy matches on an early yellow. Quite a few. So he's got discipline in him. Like, you're right. He does go in. He does pick up the yellow. But he's, he's played quite a few matches where he's had to put, you know, 40, 50, 60 minutes in on a yellow. So, I don't know. Just putting that out there. Yeah, that's a good point. I just, I mean, I, I think knowing how important the City game is at the end of the day, and I feel like we should be able to handle Villa without Fabinho, whereas we would definitely need him against City um, you know, as organized and as quality as they are. Um, 
Otherwise, we're assuming it's uh, pretty much the same lineup then that started against Tottenham? Yeah, I imagine it's going to be very similar. I can't see a whole lot. Can't see a whole lot of changes there. I mean, do you? I mean, I'm assuming not. But do you anticipate Southampton trying to pull a miracle, or is it going to be more like damage control of how many no, they can right see? Now. That team is. That team is not right now, man. I mean, I know that they gave proceeds to that game away to charity because they were embarrassed with the result of letting in like nine goals or whatever it was. Um, so I know that there. I, I know that there's. Look, I mean, the reality of it is, I, I know that there's going to be a desire to bounce back. Um, they've already had one game after that. I think they lost three one. I just don't think they have the quality for City. Like, are they going to give them a game? Maybe for like twenty minutes, but like, yeah, I can't. I cannot see. And maybe I'll be. I, I would love to be wrong. I just can't, can't see. Like with that side and what form they're in right now. Yeah, I agree. And like I say, I just, but then again, going back to two weeks ago, if you look at these over like these last two weeks, I had no hopes out of, you know, Wolves getting any points, even though they do have a better counterattacking than obviously Southampton does. And I really yeah. thought Crystal Palace would be able to get some points from City. And we kind of know how that kind of like flip flop turned out. So, uh, but I agree. I mean, it's just like looking at recent form and, uh, I mean, even like today's performance, I just can't see it being a whole lot better, you know, three days from now. I think it's going to be the same thing uh, where City pretty much like uh, pretty much control the game. I mean, it's that's how it was today. And I kind of like anticipate, unfortunately, more of it this weekend. So what is your prediction for uh, the Villa game? Um, I will go. I'll go three now. Three now. We should, I'm going to go three now. I think we should be able to handle business. Um, I think we should be able to keep a clean sheet there. Um, I will go in. Um, I'll go. I'll go goals from Salah and Firmino, um, and then one surprise one. I'll say something. I'll say DVD uh, gets one. I don't know. I think, but I think it's going to be three. I think it'll be three now. Yeah, I think we win this one too. I mean, and it's like, a, it's very crucial that we win this one and kind of like, you know, head into the city game with that, you know, gap still like intact. But uh, I actually agree. I think we're going to win this one. Actually, it's going to be like a 4 1 is what I'm seeing. I did nail last week's score, by the way, dead on with the 2 1. Uh, so let's can hope this is. Can I go to yours? Can I go to 4 1? <laughs> <laughs> too late, buddy. That's why I do it last. Um... <laughs> Uh, that, I mean, and that's, I think, um, I mean, hopefully this will be a bit less stressful than last week's game. Uh, I really think we should be able to, having these guys, you know, like rested for the week and not playing at all was like a perfect move, not using any out of that starting lineup. I thought it was like a perfect move to get those guys ready and focus. And when we know that when this team can take a full week to focus on a game, they do perform extremely well. So... I think we're going to be fine with that. Um, so we're hoping for those three points. Any parting thoughts? Anything to add from today's game? Or no, man, anything that's happening? Hilarious. Anytime we can beat Arsenal like that, especially, it's fucking great. I was laughing my absolute head off just because, I mean, 
I, we probably didn't deserve to come out with a W there, but I don't know why they did either. So I was, I was laughing, especially because I've got several uh, Gooner friends who are just absolutely obnoxious, even when they suck. So it was great. I think it has to be extremely frustrating to score five goals at Anfields yeah. and lose and have, you know, like a two-goal advantage twice. It looked like the game was done in a way. And, you know, with all the other dramas they have going on and stuff like that, it's like a huge tournament. Actually, like I was reading a couple of like rumor sites where Mourinho might be in line uh, to go, which will only add to the comedy over there, which is I, they probably do need a jackass like that to kind of, you know, get some discipline in there, to be honest with you. But I got to tell you, though, I'm a huge I'm a huge Emery guy. I think he's a, a fantastic manager. Um, God, dude, I don't think Mourinho is going to have the financial support that he'd want. And he'd fucking ruin Aubameyang. So maybe I do want him there. I don't know. <laughs> I, I feel like they, it's not like they don't spend the money. It's just they keep spending the money on areas that they're already strong at. And they overrated not, French players. Yeah, they keep adding forwards. I mean, and this is what happens. Yeah, you score five, but then you just like still don't win the games. And, you know, like I said, they take these leads. They just cannot defend. And the whole, like, captaincy, Shaka, I mean, they got, like, so much drama going. That's why when I read that, I actually thought Mo would be a good fit in terms of um, kind of, like, sorting out the drama, at least in the beginning, the first six months, and then he would start his own. And then right. <laughs> it would just be, like, a whole different drama that way. Yeah. Yeah, Mourinho's not going to have any of the drama not be about anybody but him. So, yeah, you're probably right on that. Yeah, he's going to just bring his, like, fresh, you know, you'll get some new stars and kind of, like, start some shit with them instead. But, you know, at least he will be cleaning up the mess and getting rid of, like, you know, like, some of these guys out of there and everything like that. But that's definitely... I not- want him to go there. I want him to go there and bring Juan Mata there. Because I, <laughs> I think... And then get rid of Juan Mata, because I think he's done that, like, four times in his career. <laughs> It's just like, it's like, yeah, they show all over again. They're like, this guy is great. Maybe not so. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, it's definitely interesting to watch that drama. I mean, I think, like I said, we have only one person on our tail, it feels like, in the Premier League, and that's City. Um, and, it, it, you know, it's almost like becoming the, the La Liga's or, you know... Um, the Bundesliga is where there's only like two teams going for it every year kind of thing. But I mean, I know there are a couple of teams that are close some points right now, you know, like my Leicester, Chelsea, uh, you know, they're only two points away from like city, but you kind of know that they're not going to be able to keep up with it in the long run. It's only city. So that's why these next few weeks, I mean, I think after the city game, uh, after the international break, they have like a really tough schedule. Whereas we've, Played. There's no easy games in the Premier League, but we've right, definitely right. played what will be considered the tougher games or games that you might be expected to lose points in. Whereas that's what they're heading into uh, coming back from, like after the international break. So right, let's yeah, just hope you know we kind of go to the international break with all the points that we need, and then kind of like cruise down from there. Should be a fun ride. Yes, sir. Well, Paul, thanks for joining me. And then uh, we'll be talking after the Villa game, hopefully discussing another three points, maybe another uh, last-minute goal by Origi. Hopefully it won't be for the win. It'll be just like icing on the cake kind of a goal, though. 
Yeah, no game winners for Stola, unless like we absolutely have to. But let's let's hope it doesn't come down to that. Thanks all for listening to the American Scouser podcast. Uh, leave us a review on uh, iTunes as well, and please leave us your comments, areas that you want covered, and join the conversation in our Facebook group in LFC America. Thank you again for joining us. Uh, up the Reds.